Hi, Kay. Thanks for giving the opening remarks. Uh, have you already introduced Tom? Because uh, we could not hear you. Uh, yes, we have already introduced and we are uh, already ready for uh, to listen to okay. uh, you know, so this dark talk. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, Tom. Then we will pass the word to you. Okay. Okay. I am ready. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, I'm really excited because I've never presented to a group in China before. And um, I, I uh, actually don't hear much from, from readers in China either. So... Uh, this is a great opportunity. And it just came last week. I'm filling in for another speaker who couldn't make it. Um, and when Elisa reached out to me, she said, um, hey, would you mind speaking on this, this post you wrote called, what is the technical writer's role in content marketing? Um, this is a, a screenshot of my blog. I'd rather be writing in case you've, you've not seen it before. But this post is really interesting to me because uh, there's a bit of a backstory that I never really shared on my blog. Um, back in 2016, so about five years ago, I was thinking about like making a career pivot. Uh, I always felt that maybe I was in the wrong role. I love to write on my blog and I didn't see many other tech com bloggers. So I thought maybe I should be more in developer marketing. Maybe, maybe this role would suit me because I love to create content and I want more narrative forms and so on. And I started thinking about this and I thought, oh, I found this perfect position. It was at this API company that, that needed a content marketer. Um, and so I, I wrote this post that was trying to argue that the technical writer and the technical writer's background, their knowledge, their kind of uh, their mindset makes a perfect fit for somebody to create developer marketing content. It's a perfect fit for somebody who can really communicate and speak with the developer audience. Um, and so I wrote this post trying to make this argument uh, that 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 uh, what makes the best marketer? A technical writer, because the technical writer is familiar with the user's pain points. The technical writer knows what issues and, and challenges the developer has on a technical level. You know, a lot of times marketing that doesn't really get into the technical details or doesn't really understand all the, the technical challenges can kind of feel empty. Well, as I was kind of making this decision, should I pivot in this direction or should I stay as a technical writer? I decided, you know what? Uh, I like technical writing. I'm going to stay, stay in this route. But I instead um, applied at a different job. This is when I was uh, uh, going to work for Amazon. And it just so happens that during the interview, the, the senior interviewer, the last person in the interviewing chain, he, he sits down and he says, you know, Tom, that post you wrote about, you know, the technical writer's role in, in content marketing, I felt like you just got it. Like you really understood like how it all should fit together, which surprised me because I didn't even write this post thinking I wanted, you know, to, to sell my, my skills for, for Amazon as a, in this marketing bridge type role. Um, let me share just a brief little excerpt from the post just to give you a sample of kind of what this is, because this will lay the foundation for uh, this whole talk. If you're trying to win over a technical audience, you need to communicate with them on a technical level. You need to understand the technical issues they face and talk with credibility about those issues. I'm not saying that content marketing should consist of verbatim topics from a user manual, but the concepts that you cover in tech docs could certainly be repurposed into larger, more conceptual articles that address strategies around those topics. For example, a topic in a user guide on generating an HMAC signature for requests might be repurposed into an article on HMAC authentication for APIs in contrast to other authentication protocols such as OAuth. As a technical writer, you have the insight to provide substantial information rich content that will build relationships with technical audiences marketing writing without substance is going to come across as empty marketing the kind of brochure or product literature that has such a strong agenda that it's almost unreadable uh now as technical hey, writers Mark. yes uh, just once more mark would you mind to share your screen oh i haven't been sharing my screen i'm sorry <laughs> okay, give me a second here. Major, major uh, uh, omission there. 
Okay. Uh, uh, oh, right. my bad, my bad. Okay, there we go. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, do you see my screen now? Yes, yes. Okay, okay sorry about that. You, you really didn't miss much here. I just had, had this one, one slide. This is the just screenshot of the post. What's the technical writer's role in content marketing? And the title slide. Um, the focus on this talk, Techcom and marketing, how to make your Techcom group more visible within your company. All right, so I was just reading this little excerpt showing how technical writers really have the, the background, the understanding to kind of make a compelling case for somebody who would write developer marketing content that would connect with users. All right, and, and the idea of content marketing, is, I'm no expert really. I mean, people think of me as like an API documentation person, not a content marketing person. So this is really veering into an area that, that I'm not an expert in. But the idea of content marketing is that um, rather than just pitching products and, and services uh, to users that you want to, them to buy, instead you, you build a relationship with them by giving them valuable content there's no like sales agenda. You're just trying to give them content that they enjoy. Think of um, <clears throat> like a catalog that has a lot of good articles in it. Uh, it's not just like a catalog of products to people that people can buy. Um, uh, and, and the reason that documentation people make such a great fit for this is because when we write documentation, we're not trying to sell anybody anything. Uh, documentation teaches you something, right? So if, you're, if your primary value is, hey, I'm teaching you these things that are complicated and I'm making it easy for you, then that's a great fit for content marketing content. It gives you perfect fodder for this whole relationship that you're trying to build. So while I was at Amazon, I actually was in a group that was half developer marketing and half technical writers. It was a perfect blend of the two. And I thought this is my ideal chance to experiment in this direction to see if I can make a go at pivoting from documentation into more of like a, a, a content marketer type writer uh, and, and create articles for our blog and for the other assets that would engage with our users. Users were uh, developers who were making apps for uh, Fire TV and so on and, and other Amazon devices. Now, there's one more aspect to this that I think is crucial and one that I've always tried to follow in any kind of content that I write, and that is to give it a foundation of story. This is, an, this is a screenshot from uh, the user's journey, Story Mapping Products That People Love by Donna LeChow. And she draws the basic story arc uh, that, that is so common. You start with a current state, there's some kind of problem or, or trigger that, that you know, causes frustration or pain to the user, right? The user takes some steps, they, they cross over some impediments, some, some hurdles, they finally solve the problem, they have delight, and, and they meet the goals. And she gives the example of, of the iPhone when it was first released. You know, think back to whatever it was, 2000 something, um, before the iPhone, and the people had to come up with a, a story to sell the iPhone. And the basic story was, well, previously you had like a, a, a phone and you had a computer and you had a, um, gosh, I don't even know what the third device was, but you sent texts, right? And so now you have a device that combines all three of these functions into one and, and it makes life so much more seamless and integrated. And so that was their, their storytelling behind their product. I think that, that any kind of content marketing approach would be based on some kind of corporate storytelling where you're basically starting out with, hey, these are, this is some problem and our product is solving this problem and, and providing lots of delight, you know, which sounds great. I was like, I've got the formula, I've got the, the you know, capability and I've got the, the opportunity. I'm in a perfect position to write this kind of content. <clears throat> However, as I kind of took my first uh, steps in this direction, I quickly realized that things were not going to go how I thought. Uh, 
there, there was an, a major issue that we were trying to address with uh, apps for Fire TV. They, they were inconsistent in a particular way. Some apps had a, had a feature integrated. Other apps didn't have this feature integrated. And we really were trying to make a push to get all developers to integrate this feature so that the user experience, the people who are using the Fire TV, wouldn't have unpredictability from one app to the next, but they could just go into their, their Fire TV, uh, start one app, have that feature available, go into another app, the feature would be there too, and they could have you know more consistency. So I started out this post <clears throat> describing the problem because this is the fundamental way that stories are told. And then I launched into the solution, which was a technical explanation of how to implement the feature. And I thought, this is perfect. But when I submitted it to our marketing manager there, uh, she basically stripped out all the conflict at the beginning. Uh, we didn't want to communicate that there was some kind of problem with the user experience, that anything was inconsistent. Instead, she said, let's just start right at the uh, technical how-to on how to implement the feature. And I thought, wow, that really cuts the heart out of this post. Um, it's now almost redundant with the documentation. Uh, this same sort of story happened with several other attempts as well. I would, I would try to identify something that I thought was a user pain point or some issue and then kind of move towards a technical solution. And in this same example, the issue that I identified or whatever the conflict was, was uh, basically cut out of the post. Uh, so after a few experiences like this, I, I lost interest in going towards this direction. And I felt that like in the marketing domain, they don't want to have any kind of conflict or issue. And without that, you can't have story. So without story you can't have engagement and there's really no point to it um it was it was you know in some ways it was good because it kept me rooted in the technical writing domain but it gave me a lot of food for thought um and and this was really reinforced this whole dichotomy of like conflict versus no conflict corporate versus independent uh was reinforced with a recent um release that I, that i was watching uh, Amazon came out with like a new Fire TV stick. And I've got two screenshots here. On the left, you have this Amazon Fire TV news blog that's talking about this new device. And on the right, you have the Amazon App Store blog that is also talking about the new device. And if you read them, um, <clears throat> if you go in to see like the independence, that this is an independent person and their take on it, it's much more in-depth. They even list all the specs, which is pretty amazing. Um, but it really gets into the, the nitty-gritty of every aspect. You know, gets into the, the every detail in-depth. You can see he's got a lot to say, and he's actually very expert at this. And there are uh, 72 comments on this post. In contrast, if you go into the official like corporate posts about it, it's much skimpier. It's basically marketing material followed by a link to tech specs. You know, there's really, really no substance. Um, whereas again, if you come back to the independent voice, he can begin by saying, you know, the, the storage on the device being only eight gigabytes kind of sucks, you know, but he's got a lot of other positive things to say. And then he, he analyzes it. Well, I think we've been watching blogs enough to come to the conclusion that independent voices, independent blogs are much more interesting than corporate blogs. I've, I've yet to sort of be engaged by any corporate blog. And I think it's for the same reason that I've been describing. Corporations, marketing, they don't really want to hit controversy or other friction head on. They're much happier to kind of stay in the um, happy path, you know, where, where things are or smiles and happy faces all around. Um, interestingly, a little bit of backstory about this, the same author who writes Amazon Fire TV News went to work for Amazon for a couple of years. He took a, a, a break um, from his blog, super popular on this blog, took a break, went to work for Amazon, and while working at Amazon, he discontinued the blog. He put it on pause for a couple of years. 
um, or maybe a year uh, while he was there because it was, he felt it was a conflict of interest. You know, he, ma- he makes money from people clicking links for ad revenue or something. But, uh, but for sure, he, he didn't have that same voice. And then when he left Amazon, he returned to the blog and, and fired it up again, and he had the same kind of engagement as before. Um, there's just something about being an independent that allows you to go much more in-depth and be analytical. Even if you're not you know, telling stories, you can be m- much more analytical in ways that you really can't in the corporate domain. But based on this, my conclusion was that Approved marketing content essentially consists of announcements and tech tips. That's about all you can can say. Like, here's a new product. Here's some tech resources and tutorials. Here's a new uh, uh, sample app or something. And as such, this content is sort of watered down. It's no better than documentation. So why not just focus on the documentation itself and let marketers or whomever support business development training just share direct links to the docs? Um, and I think in, in some of the, the newsletters that I subscribe to, for example, this one from Stripe, they, they send out like a, a developer digest that is pretty much just a list of, of links to tech resources. Uh, it's like, hey, we've got a new tutorial or we've got a new release. We've got a new feature. We've got uh, some new articles, but by and large, uh, it's not going to be that same independent voice as, as before. Um, so that, that was my experience with content marketing. It sort of led me back to documentation uh, because I, as a blogger, I like to address, uh, real issues. I like to talk transparently. I like to speak plainly. I don't like to hide anything. It's part of the core identity of who I am. Uh, and when I was in that marketing space, I felt like my hands were tied behind my back and we couldn't address issues, but you can in documentation because honestly, people see the documentation domain as an area for troubleshooting, for solving problems, for dealing with, uh, issues. Whereas the marketing domain is seen more as like the happy announcement, happy path kind of, uh, space where that, that kind of thing doesn't exist. Um, as I was thinking about documentation, uh, I started to, to realize that, that, you know, all these groups within a company use documentation. If you, if you think about like th- these groups that are interacting with users, documentation is a tool that is essential to their job. Think about support. They're going to link to tech docs all the time as a way to provide a solution or marketing they link at least to the technical specifications of a new device, right? Uh, solutions architects who are describing how to implement something are gonna freely use documentation and, and rely on it. Training, even UX design needs documentation to understand how to design the right flows for tasks within some kind of developer product. Um, product evangelists giving a webinar, they may have a, they may have a, a tutorial in their webinar but they need some kind of written documentation to give users as well. Internal engineers use documentation to kind of uh, ramp up on their role, at least initially as they're onboarding. And of course, end users use it as, as one of the primary audiences. So, so documentation is this lifeblood of a company that's used by so many different groups. I don't think one could say that, that any deliverable from another group is, is, used in such a ubiquitous way. You couldn't draw intersecting lines through everything that marketing uh, produces, for example, or that that uh, product evangelists produce. But documentation is a tool that is common and central among all of these different groups. Um, and, and so if documentation is so central, uh, then how can we allow these groups that are using the content to use it more seamlessly. This is getting to the idea of enterprise content strategy or content strategy, where you have a a central documentation resource that other people access and leverage for whatever deliverables they're creating, right? It's like you've got one resource that is used across groups. Uh, the opposite of a, of a content strategy is, is content silos where everybody just does their own thing. Like, you know, marketing, let's say they, they're not, they just don't even 
rely on docs. They create their own tech specs. They, they don't even interact or training or, or uh, support, you know, just duplicates their own content. There's no reuse across lines at all. Um, and just uh, laying one more detail here, and then I'm going to bring this together a little more. Um, that when we talk about single sourcing, there's a couple of different types of single sourcing. There's the single sourcing where you take the same content and you output different formats, like you output a PDF file and a web help and a Kindle version or something, right? You take in the same content, you're just packaging it differently in a different format. But then there's a, a slightly different, and not a slightly different, a really different approach to single sourcing where you have the same content in different deliverables. You take documentation and put it into an ebook. You take and you put it into video training uh, scripts or a knowledge base or a blog post. You take documentation and put it into product briefs or pitch decks, right? This is where the whole enterprise content strategy is really uh, strained because these other formats are different. Um, I remember one time I was working for a startup and the PM was creating a product brief, which was like a two page high level overview of the product uh, intended for an executive. And as we were talking, I was like, well, I already have an overview in the documentation for the product. Uh, shouldn't they be the same? Can't we just reuse this content into your product brief? And so as we set about this, I realized that his product brief was written in a third person point of view. In other words, uh, the, the partner was described as a third person, whereas all the documentation was written in a second person point of view, talking directly to the, to the partner as you. And, uh, you know, this simple uh, change in point of view was a deal breaker for reusing the content. As much as I tried to like remove points of view, it was, it was not really possible. And by the end, um, the, the, the product manager wanted the content to be more suitable for an executive than an integrator or a developer. And that also put a strain on the content. I think if you were to go through each of these different types of content, like a, a, a pitch deck, for example, this is just a slide deck that you try to attract new partners with. They are far more visual than documentation ever is. Um, if you have a knowledge base, you know, you might think, oh, this is perfect. But um, as soon as you get knowledge into those things, it's very hard to keep it in sync elsewhere. So you create a host of other problems. Video training is another very difficult thing. You might think, oh, I've already got like tasks written out and I'm just going to put them into scripts and then people make videos out of them, except for video scripts need to be much more conversational and written in a, in a different way than documentation. So, uh, you know, putting, pushing this content out to all these groups that need it in the deliverables that they need is not in any way straightforward. And in some ways it, it just doesn't work. Um, I think there are, there are at least a couple different paradigms uh, to look at here. There's duplicating from a single source, which is, you know, this attempt at content strategy where you, you take and you take this reusable content and you push it into an ebook or you push it into a white paper or whatever you have. There's another approach of just pointing to a single source, right? Why duplicate content? Why not just tell people, hey, this is where the content lives. This is our single source of truth for the content. We're going to bring people to it. Um, for example, let's say that you have some instructions for integrating a code library to enable an API. Like, here's how you, you, you get this thing integrated. Well, no doubt you would want that topic to appear at least in a couple of places. In a topic on installing the product, you know, how do you get, uh, get this thing integrated? As well as a getting started tutorial that might have users take a couple of first steps that would no doubt involve uh, integrating this library to, to use the API. Rather than duplicate that content and create two instances of it, even within documentation, it's just as simple to create a link and point users to that, that source. A getting started tutorial will often have a single step that says complete all the tasks in this introductory topic section, you know? 
So, uh, I, again, I'm coming back to this idea that documentation is this single source of truth that fuels so many uh, fuels and empowers so many other groups and the attempt to try to like duplicate documentation and push it out and incorporate it into their deliverables might not work so much it might just be better to have a single source that people can uh draw from as needed and and adapt in ways that that don't necessarily duplicate it but that point back to it all right now um I'm kind of moving towards this this other part of marketing, that, which is where I've become much more um, uh, at peace with, and that's visibility. I I think that uh, if documentation is going to be this resource that empowers so many other groups within a company, technical writers have to do a much better job at making documentation visible to these other groups. I think in general, technical writers are terrible at, at marketing docs. They, uh, when you write something, um, when we write something, I think our, our nature is, oh, I'm going to put a little uh, line in a release note and publish that. And if people want to know, they can just check out the release notes. Well, that doesn't really work very well um, in terms of keeping people aware and updated. Uh, a lot of people inside a company, they're not checking out your release notes on a daily basis. Um, what we need to do is, is proactively kind of let these groups know what's new in docs. Um, and once they're aware of docs, then they're much more likely to use them in their materials rather than duplicating them. They're much more likely to reference them and they're like more likely to give you input that adds to them. Uh, if I were to point to one thing that I have learned as a blogger um, and been doing, I've had my blog since 2006, and I've come to the, the conclusion that, that a blog is like the best way to increase your visibility, and it's a super simple formula. Uh, if you want to increase your visibility, you start with a focus and you multiply content by sharing it. Or in other words, focus times content times sharing. You write something, you keep you keep it focused on a specific topic, and then you share that, and you repeat it infinitely. On my blog, I write a lot about topics in technical communication. Uh, that's my focus, and I try to write um, a post a week or something, and share that out uh, across LinkedIn, Twitter, and an email newsletter. Um, in fact, the email newsletter is one of the most overlooked forms of, of um, outreach. I get way more people clicking on links when I send out a newsletter than I do on social media like Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, but, but in general, this is all visibility is. You, you write and you share. You write and you share. You write and you share. Or you create whatever it is you're doing and you share that out. And pretty soon, people know you. They they. they see you they understand um what you do and and what docs are available and the story behind it uh so what i've been doing for the last several or at least couple of years is creating something called a documentation report this documentation report has sections like uh, here's a purpose and intro a little bit about our team where we publish then I list all the docs we recently published, upcoming doc work, maybe efforts to reduce tickets and so on. I add some info about metrics, you know, how many people are hitting the docs. I talk about maybe some strategic initiatives. I, I end with how to request docs. These reports are a lot of fun to write. And uh, in, in all my career as a tech writer, I, I don't see many people creating these reports. This is a super simple way to build visibility for your documentation, for your group, for your role uh, in ways that resonates with other people. Um, I recommend doing this at a, about a monthly cadence. It's nice to just take time to sit down and reflect on all these strategies and how the docs are doing and to, to sort of give an account of, hey, you're paying me as a technical writer. Here's what I've created. Uh, people, especially business leaders, they, they, they like that. It informs their strategy, their direction. Um, I actually added a whole section of this uh, in my API doc course. In case you haven't seen it, I'd rather be writing.com slash learn API doc uh, on sending doc reports, doc status reports. 
builds visibility and relationships. It's really the same thing that I've been doing as a blogger uh, uh, in the community. You know, instead of writing content and sharing it on a blog, I just share content in an email report to some lists. And in some ways, uh, the doc report is much easier because you don't have to try to grow your list. You just look to see what other reports are coming by and what lists they're using and, and just start throwing documentation reports across the same lists. People and companies, they already expect to be included and informed and, and automatically subscribed to certain reports. Um, uh, th these are also fun to write, you know? Uh, I was, especially the metrics one, the metrics section. I Every month I sit down and I, I look at our metrics and I try to derive some kind of insight from them. Um, and it's it's always a challenge. I'm like, uh, how do our page views compare to page views of similar products? Or, you know, where what are our most popular pages and why? And how does that align with the new partners that we have? Or why is it that our partner, our number of users has grown threefold over two years? I mean, it gives you an opportunity to kind of analyze and dissect things in ways that I find enjoyable. It's it's not just your humdrum uh, document this, this widget sort of task. This is more analytical, more intellectual, more conversational. You tell the story behind, behind a, a, a topic or a documentation uh, project that you wrote. For example, um, I recently finished two milestones that I've been wanting to finish uh, at, at my current work. And one was to create product overviews that were rich in detail for two core products and also to create getting started tutorials for each product, which were completely missing. Um, and in this next, next documentation report that I'm going to write, I'm going to tell a little bit about the story behind this why I think getting started tutorials are so important, how we went about it, um, the success rate, the sort of indirect benefits of allowing tech writers to test things that they couldn't previously, and invite people to try them out. Um, now, when you send these doc reports, which can be as long as you want, really, you could, these could be 2,000 words, they can be 200 words, really. Um, uh, it's almost for your benefit more than others sometimes to have this reflection. But when you send them out, you can expect uh, lots of good things to happen. Um, you can expect that people will become aware of you that maybe you didn't, that maybe did not before. People will reach out to you and say, hey, I got a question about this doc, or hey, is this on your roadmap? And maybe you didn't even interact with that person previously, and suddenly they know who you are. That's kind of the story of my blog as well. Like I go to a conference, people come up to me and they're like, oh, hey, Tom, and they know me because they've either heard a podcast or read something, I don't know them. It's the same within your company. People suddenly feel like they'll start to know you, but it's this um, parasymmetric relationship where you, you, you don't know, necessarily know them. But, but senior leaders love this kind of stuff. They love to get reports. Uh, they feel like it, it helps them like take strategic direction and it helps them know that, hey, docs are on track. A lot of times people will reach out and say, um, hey, is this, is this on your radar, this huge project that like we're gonna be releasing in a month? Um, <laughs> hopefully that doesn't happen so often, but it's happened before and I'm like, Oh yeah, there's a, there's a gap. So so you're sort of lubricating these communication lines and making these groups aware of the documentation so that they'll use it. And the more that they use it, the more feedback you get and this can create an upward spiral. They start to use the documentation more regularly and give you input which then if you if you act on it can improve the documentation uh, and make it more used as well or used even more. Um I I, uh, I really like this graphic, by the way. I once sent this out as a tweet and got like 70 likes. People, people love it because it really does show that documentation is at the core of, of so many different activities. And that's why content strategy and how these other groups leverage the content is so essential. Um, all right, so <clears throat> I'm kind of winding down here. And let me just make a summary. Uh, I can see it doesn't all quite fit on this slide, but 
Basically, my points have been this. Tech writers might not have much success writing engaging marketing content because marketing strips out conflict. Now, that was just my experience, and I feel like it it's probably similar to others, but again, take it with a grain of salt. This is this is Tom's perspective. If you want to address real issues, you're better off staying within the documentation domain. Um, <clears throat> because in the documentation, you can be raw and honest for the most part. Um, you're you're allowed greater latitude to kind of address the warts of a product, especially in developer docs. Um, you're sort of allowed to say, hey, uh, the system breaks if you do this. Be careful. Um, documentation is useful to groups across the company, but the difference in deliverable styles and conventions means that single sourcing the documentation into all these other deliverables is unlikely. I think it's better to point users to a single instance of the docs. And for, let's see if I can get the other stuff in here. Yeah, no, oh, okay. Uh, for docs to be useful across these groups, you need a strategy for increasing the awareness, their awareness of the docs. And that strategy, in my, in my experience, is sending that monthly documentation report. It helps build awareness of the relationship. It helps build awareness and helps build relationships that you need to be successful. You can't be successful as a tech writer, if people don't know you, if you stay in the shadows, if you're so introverted that you never like tell people what you've done, you know, that, that just doesn't work. You have to kind of get out of your shell and, and use your writing talents to communicate in email. You don't have to give presentations or, or, or speak up in meetings, just create a report and send it to everybody and their cousin. And finally, the more awareness you create around docs, the more feedback and input you get, and you can leverage this input to make docs even more helpful to these groups and create that upward spiral of, of uh, content improvement. All right, so that's pretty much all I had to say about this topic. Again, this is not my usual topic that I address, but I've been, I've been thinking about this story for a while, my foray into marketing and my experiences and where I sort of landed. I, I do want to acknowledge that I think uh, people's experiences will vary by company, by domain. I, I'm working in uh, developer documentation. You know, I'm, I was in Silicon Valley for many, many years there, about eight years. Um, now I'm in Seattle. <clears throat> uh, but I think an experience, a person's experience will be quite different if they're working in, say, hardware documentation, or if they have a bunch of print deliverables, or if they're dealing heavily with localization, you know, there's, so there's a lot of differences between API docs, developer docs, end user docs, uh, machinery, non-machinery software, and so on. But um, in my experience, this is what's really been true. So now let's open it up for questions and more conversation. Feel free to speak uh, speaker question or to uh, write it in the chat. I'd be happy to uh, address anything. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you, Tom, uh, and thank you for your great speech, which showcased a very, a very good way to kill two birds with one stone to raise uh, your uh, visibility and your efficiency to sell marketing. And I also, from my speech, I see that you show a very good practice of working technical communication and uh, marketing communication through the strategic content marketing. So now comes the uh, Q&A session. Uh, anyone have, uh, interested to these questions? Okay. Thank you. Uh, hi, I'm uh, Laura. I'm so excited to have this chance to talk to you about uh, one person. Uh, and I have several questions. Actually, I'm a fan of you. I have read your blog about especially the API docs because I was working on the API doc project last year. And I'm going to share about this project this year. And I referred to your blog actually in my slides. And uh, so excited. Uh, so first of all, I'd like to ask you about the, because I have read uh, your uh, resume 
uh, or your information on the LinkedIn, and you have worked in Amazon and now in Google. And I want to know uh, the co uh, corporate structure of capital providing uh, in these two uh, companies. Uh, that is, for example, uh, whether the technical uh, writer team is affiliated to the product team or your totally separate team. And the second question is, uh, what are the challenges uh, your team is facing now? For example, are you challenged by the other team about uh, your uh, values? Right? Because just now you mentioned about uh, you're gonna, you, you have made a lot of uh, bad reports, and that is a kind of uh, very good uh, communication with other teams. But I want to know the challenges when you're briefing. And the third one is uh, the, 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 the third one is a, 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 a little bit personal. I want to know which one uh, corporates you prefer. Because it works for the two, uh, All right. So let me let me see if I understood that the sound quality isn't so great because I think the the mic the the sound sort of echoes in there and then it comes through the speaker. But your their first question was around team fit. Like where does documentation best fit in a product's uh, team? Various teams. Was that the first question? Uh, yeah, but actually I want to know the reality that is the biggest goal of your team that is actually uh, works now. Uh, I mean, whether your team is affiliated to the product team or your totally separate team uh. in the corporate structure, yeah. Yeah, you know, I've been in a lot of different teams. Um, I do think, I did realize that, that being with marketing is is actually not great for one main reason. Marketing focuses on the release phase of products, but technical writers need to be in the development phase of products. Uh, the only group that is really in the development phase is engineering, because they may take six months to build something. And that's the best time to also be developing content for the product. So I would say it's, it's good to be in a group that, um, has the same focus on on like content development life cycles uh, as you not just waiting for everything as a release uh you are also asking about challenges and sorry yeah i i it was hard to hear the with the with the microphone um i think you're asking what challenges do i kind of experience with these teams and so on you know um i think being in, in developer docs, my greatest challenge is being able to reproduce all the steps in the documentation that I'm writing. Uh, the more complex a product, the harder it is to set things up and to get things working to set, to make sure that they that they work as advertised. Um, building some products can take hours to download and compile, and then you have to have certain conditions that will uh, be present for things to happen. So, so testing everything, that's one of my uh, personal beliefs that, that uh, it makes good docs when you can test them thoroughly yourself, but it's very challenging sometimes. Finally, I think you were asking which company I prefer. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I think they both have their strengths um, for sure. I, I think uh, they're just, it's fun to work in big tech, I, I think. I've worked in startups and I've worked in, in big tech and I, I like being part of companies that have products that can shape the landscape. I mean, Amazon definitely had a lot of products and it was fun to be right next to things like fire TV that, um, you know, I, I was, I would use that to in my own TV and so on. And, and it's fun to be a part of that. And, and Google has tons of products as well. I, I'm working with, with like maps and I use Google maps all the time and it's fun to kind of be around that. Whereas with startups, eh, the products is you, they're usually a lot more niche and, and not really relevant to my individual life. Of course it depends on the company, but that's what I would say. Um, sorry. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I, I just I, I just want to confirm with the first question is that 
but no matter in Amazon or in Google, your your team, technical writing team, is separate from the R&D and separate from the product, separate from marketing team, right? You report to different leaders. Yeah, so you're at, so you're asking like um, whether the teams are separate from the research and development, or if they're like part of these other teams. Yeah, uh, usually usually we um, are. Well, you know what? I uh, sometimes we're, uh, ah sorry. I'm just thinking back of different scenarios and so many different reorgs that happen and. You know, uh, technical writers are sort of bounced around from one group to a net to another. Um, I've been in product management groups and, and marketing groups and engineering groups all at Amazon. And, and at Google, we're sort of our own group. Um, uh, but we, we work across different groups. It's like, I, I don't know, there's, there's, no, there's no best place to be. But, but if you are going to be somewhere, I would say being close to engineers and close to the people who interact with users, like solutions engineers, partner engineers, that's that's ideal. Whether you're grouped in with them or whether you just meet with them, doesn't matter so much. Um, so yeah. So and sorry if I'm misinterpreting your questions. Like I said, it's really hard for me to hear hear them. But. Okay, thank you. And uh, sorry, and I uh, want to uh, just ask more about the challenges because uh, whether you have been asked about whether. What's the difference between the documents written by you and by the product team or by the IMD team, the engineers? Have you ever been asked about this question? And uh, do you ever think about uh, inviting or asking the uh, IMD team to write the documents themselves? So you're asking like how do how do our documents differ from documents written by other groups like engineers and so on? Uh, you know, um, a lot of times an engineer will write a document and then we will edit it, address gaps, and publish it. So it's more collaborative. But in general, if only engineers write the docs, um, they tend to be very high level and assume that the that the user knows a lot more than he or she does i mean it's the it's this age-old problem where engineers just assume that the audience is at their exact same technical level uh, when in reality it's usually not so i i always appreciate the fact that i'm i'm not an engineer and i don't have that deep technical background so i will ask dumb questions i will I will stumble through things and hopefully uh, illuminate problems or e expose gaps in knowledge and assumptions that aren't made made clear. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a lot more I could say about that, but you know, it's it's like the value we bring as as outsiders. That that outside perspective is what gives uh, so much value to docs, but it also makes it very uncomfortable to be an outsider because we're always kind of at that border of not knowing enough to really uh, feel comfortable and having to constantly learn different things just to get, get by. It's, it's just the, the, the career that we have, but um, yeah. And Google has developed uh, the courses, the technical writing courses for R&D and uh, how that work. You know, there's there's a tremendous appetite from engineers to learn to write better, for sure. I think um, a, a lot of a lot of engineers are uh, eager to learn best practices for documentation, and those courses have been working well. I wasn't part of part of that development. I don't really have the inside scoop on that, uh, but for sure, uh, there's a there's a strong desire an interest in in that and and it's great that um google makes them available online like that so um definitely check them out thanks Highly engaged the technical team in the development of the creation and research efforts. 
Sorry, the sorry, the sound is like echoing there, and I really am getting ten percent of what you're saying. I think you're asking whether a writer should focus on the writing or if they should prioritize other aspects of documentation. Was that the question? Maybe you know if you could post it in the meeting chat, that would be super helpful. Um, it's just like the the speaker there, the the sound doesn't doesn't travel well. Um, was that what you were asking? Like, what should one focus on if, like, the writing matters or other aspects? Or was it a different question entirely? The question is about uh, whether it is still necessary to focus on the writing of operational documents if the user experience of the product is already pretty good. If the are already pretty good, should you even focus on, on the writing? You know, I... Well, I'll just address what I what I uh, feel about like you know focusing on the writing. Definitely, people can get by with um, okay writing if there's typos or or grammar errors, as long as it's accurate, it's fine. Uh, but usually, at a, a higher level, people do expect um, more professional polish, and it can. It can sort of lower the confidence in the that the user has about a product if if things don't communicate well to them. But but I've always been a champion of um, focusing on the content more than more than the the style. Um, I once was a like I, I once served as a technical editor for a team, and people would give me their documents and I would review them. But instead of just like reviewing them and proofreading them for grammar. I would try to go through the steps uh, because that's the higher order concern, not the lower order concern. And if the steps failed me, then it doesn't matter how good the language is. Um, that, that, you know, that, that distinction between higher order concerns and lower order concerns definitely has to be apparent when you're analyzing documentation. By the way, um, on this last slide, if you want to go to the slides, you can just go to this link here. I'll post them on my blog as well. Uh, and I've added uh, as well uh, some links and various slides at the bottom for more information. Uh, and I'm happy to happy to interact through email or chat. I'm on Slack. Uh, if you're in the Write the Docs Slack, 
uh, that's, uh, I don't know if that's available there. Anyway, uh, whatever medium you want, I'm happy to engage. Okay, thank you, Tom. Uh, any additional questions? Hi, Tom. I'm Ben from Power Technologies. I have two questions for you. Uh, the first, uh, uh, I just want to know the career paths of the technical uh, writer in Google Earth. Uh, the second, uh, well, I want to know how to uh, solve problems when you face the technical uh, technical issues. Can Can somebody mm -hmm. type the questions there? Career path of a technical writer in Google and Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The second question is how to and if you could also somebody type the second question there as well while I answer the first you know the career path at I don't want to single out Google and Amazon but like in general at big tech companies um, there are lots of opportunities to sort of transfer to different teams so that's one of the huge benefits uh, if you, if you, especially if you're in a cloud team, those those groups have uh, many, many different different uh, writers, and you can, when you have that internal flexibility to switch teams, you have more opportunities for career growth. You can maybe have a new role, or you can try a different thing. Um, usually, usually, uh, it's very difficult to get promoted at big companies. You have to really lay a case for having done remarkable things. And then the promotion um, usually isn't that significant monetarily in my experience. But um, uh, I definitely love working at, at these big companies. And I know that it's pretty common to uh, for multinational companies to be big and offer many career paths. Um, but, you know, this career path question is one that's difficult because there's not a strong trajectory for a technical writer. I mean, where, where do you go? in your career? Do you become a manager? That's sort of almost not even doing technical writing anymore. That's becoming a manager. Do you become a, a, a staff or a principal writer? What exactly does that person do that uh, you know wasn't you weren't doing? I have found, this is sort of an irony, in API documentation there's a tremendous focus on being technical to get your foot in the door and to be familiar with programming languages and docs as code tools. But when you want to climb up higher in the in the uh, tech writer ladder, all the skills are strategic. You know how are you cross? How are you collaborating across groups to like align content initiatives? And how are you solving pain points uh, within the, the the developer portal? It's not really like did you understand this code sample? It's um, how did you implement content strategy in some in some uh, way that that was um, you know that helped things that solved big problems. So it's it's much more like business management thinking, I would say, almost, and, and leadership, being proactive and not not being told what to do, but finding ways to to improve the site uh, from your own initiative. Let's see the second one. How do you solve problems when encountering technical issues? Um, you know. Let me think about that one for a sec. I, uh, well, it took me a long time to get a certain product working. Um, I mean, it took me like, honestly, two months, I think, because I didn't have the right resources and I didn't have the right information. Um, I, I think the best information that I could find came from the testing teams because they have kind of their own docs about how to test things. And if you can tap into the right people who you think might have the information and then somehow track down ways that they store and manage information, like maybe they have a list of short links or something, oftentimes you can find that information. Other times um, I would have a, a, a video call with a partner engineer and we can troubleshoot and walk through through issues but it, it takes persistence to overcome technical issues I think you, you have to have a mindset of being patient and not giving up um, and once you do like overcome the technical issues and you're able to get a product working and testing the API calls or however it works I think it's it, you sort of you've conquered the product and you, you unlock a lot of 
things as a technical writer. You can suddenly answer questions for yourself. You can see whole workflows that you maybe didn't see before, and, and it makes the job so much easier. So it's, it's worth it in the end to kind of overcome those hurdles. Yeah, any, any other questions? Um, okay, uh, we have one more question. Okay. Hi, Paul. Uh, this is Lily. Uh, I uh, want to speech and I have no question about your speech. And I just want to say thank you. And I'm a reader and a fan of your I do not be writing sites. And your journal documentation team helped me a lot to set up uh, the documentation site in, during my last job. And I love your API documentation course so much. So uh, thanks and keep it going and I will be always updated. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, so no question, just like a feedback. Thanks. Yeah, you know, uh, just to comment on that, I... I've gotten so many, so much good feedback on the API course that um, it's really been kind of a milestone achievement in my career. And I look at different models people have had for like getting information out. A lot of people will write a book, an ebook, and they'll sell it and so on. And I've made that course open, and it's a living document. I'm constantly adding to it because it's just it's fun. It's like a continuous project. But I love hearing from so many people. They definitely have received much more value from that than my blog. Like the traffic on the API doc course is three or four times that of the blog, which I think reinforces the value of documentation in general. People search the web for instructional material and they want information that teaches them how to do things. And that's what we're all engaged in. Uh, so, you know, we should, we should feel good about what we do. Um, I'm sure that whatever project you're working on at work, you're creating docs that are making people's lives better and happier, even if we're transparent about issues in the product, you know, especially when we are, uh, I think, and, and we should feel good about that. But thank you again for, for having me. Uh, I really appreciated this opportunity to kind of address this subject and, and meet you. And I hope to interact more with, with uh, you all. So thanks again. Uh, thank you all for your great sharing and thank you for your time. And uh, everyone is uh, in the conference, conference room. And have a nice evening, Bob. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, I will pass to uh, Ukraine editor and Monica.